Hello and welcome to episode number 99 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and we are a few days late here with episode 99 because Wednesday, normal recording day for the show, I ended up in the hospital, well, not myself, with my mom who ended up having to have double bypass after going into the hospital thinking she had an issue with acid reflux, heartburn, stomach issues. So a little just comment on ladies out there. If you notice some weird things going on and you think there's stomach issues, my mom had a little bit of jaw pain, had just a little bit of feeling fatigued, nothing that she considered major symptoms. And it even took a couple of days in the hospital before they did the right test to figure out that she had a couple of arteries that were massively blocked. Pay attention to symptoms. Don't think heart attacks have to be a major thing that you're not going to be able to breathe at all and you're going to be sweating and you're going to have pain down your arm and you're going to have massive chest pains. While it does present that way, sometimes, especially in men, in women, things are totally different when it comes to heart issues. And I know, especially at this time of COVID, people don't want to be going into doctor's offices. And that is causing a massive amount of issues for people who don't get the care that they need or they put something off that should get taken care of. So I am very grateful that my mom knew enough the night she went in to say, hey, you know what? I think somebody needs to take me to the hospital. And when you look back on it, it is uh, not a fun thing to go through. But when you look back on it, you realize that the alternative would have been really, really bad. And I want to thank everybody, especially over in the No Agenda Troll Room, noagendastream.com, and on the Mastodon instance, noagendasocial.com, for all the kind words, the prayers, the karma, the thoughts, everything. I'm a good Irish Catholic boy, so I believe prayers do matter. I do believe people throwing out, whether you want to call it a prayer or not, throwing out good vibes, karma into the universe does make a difference. And I appreciate everybody taking the time and overall just caring. That is a big part of what could turn the country and the world around right now is people just caring about their fellow man. And a lot of the things that are being done right now are allegedly being done because people care about their fellow man, but they're being completely hoodwinked about the reality of the situation. And that's what we're going to be talking about today on this episode of Random Thoughts, because it's something that's hard to avoid. It'll be nice when the world gets back to normal, whatever the hell that is. And if that actually happens, I don't know. Between COVID, a presidential election, and just the overall unrest going on. But lately, we have the Major League Baseball, the NBA, the WNBA, all not playing for social justice. To bring light, they say, to the problem of systemic racism in this country, and especially police brutality and violence and killing of black people. And the reality of that, as we've talked about before, just isn't true. 
the stats don't back that up. And I guess we need another refresher today because the world's still burning down a little closer to home here again in Kenosha. The case of Jacob Blake, who the Kenosha Police Union says that the coverage of this has been wholly inaccurate. And I think we're going to find out the truth, much like a lot of the stuff that came out in the George Floyd case as we move on down the road. But the reality of what happened in Kenosha is that the suspect, 29-year-old Jason Blake, he fought with the cops. He put one of them in a headlock. He had a knife. He didn't go down when they tased him twice. And what ended up happening, a lot of people have already seen the video. It's disturbing, but he gets away from the cops. He goes around his car. He opens up the front door. He reaches in. Nobody knows what for. If you're a cop, you're behind him. He's reaching into the vehicle when you're telling him to stop. I don't know what the other options are. If you've tried tackling him, he's gotten away. He's been tased. He didn't go down. Unfortunately, the last thing these cops have at their disposal are their guns, and they were used. Now, the question becomes if this was excessive or not, and that debate can be had. But I just wanted to point out a few things in today's show. At the risk of being said, I'm blaming the victim on this. I think it's important to know the reality of the situation and understand what the cops knew they were going into and who this guy, Jacob Blake, was. Because the reality of the situation is he was wanted for felony sexual assault. The officers were told this when they were going to the scene because the 911 call came in from Jacob Blake's victim of his sexual assault, from what I understand. But the New York Post has the story saying Blake was forbidden from going to the Kenosha home of his alleged victim from the May 3rd incident. The police were dispatched following a 911 call saying that he was there. Blake is accused in the criminal complaint for the incident that happened back on May 3rd, which was obtained by the New York Post, of breaking into the woman's home and sexually assaulting her. The victim, who was only identified by her initials in the paperwork, told the police that she was asleep in her bed with one of her children when Blake came into the room around 6 a.m. and allegedly said, quote, I want my shit. The record states she told cops that Blake then used his finger to sexually assault her, sniffed it and said, smells like you've been with other men. This all according to the criminal complaint. These are the quotes of the woman that he allegedly assaulted. The officer who took her statement said that she, quote, had a very difficult time telling him this and cried as she told him how the defendant had assaulted her. The alleged victim said that Blake, quote, penetrated her digitally, causing her pain and humiliation, and was done without her consent. She said she was, quote, very humiliated and upset by the sexual assault. Again, this according to the police record. She told police she, quote, was upset but then collected herself, and then she ran to the front door after him. The complaint says she then realized her car was missing, checked her purse and saw the keys were gone and then immediately called 911. 
The victim told the cops that she had known Blake for about eight years and claimed that he physically assaults her about, quote, about twice a year when he drinks heavily. So now I just want to know this lady, what rights does she have? I want to know what rights does she have? The guy assaults her, allegedly, according to her account, we're supposed to believe all women. In this case, I do. Then she calls the cops when he shows back up. And this altercation that then happens leaves him getting shot because, again, he confronted the cops, didn't do what they said. He assaulted a police officer, didn't go down when he was tased, and then went along to his vehicle, opened the door, reached what looked for reaching for a weapon, and then was shot. Now, I want to know if the WNBA, especially the players that aren't playing for social justice, are proud of this guy. If they approve of his behavior, it's okay to assault women now. I don't know. I thought we were supposed to believe all women, but in this case, I don't know. This guy's being made a poster boy for somebody that was abused by the police. And the the reality of the situation doesn't appear to be that at all. Police filed charges against him, according to the New York Post article for felony sexual assault, trespassing and domestic abuse in July, where a warrant was then issued for his arrest. On Sunday, within three minutes of responding to the 911 call, Blake was shot seven times in the back as he attempted to get into his car. That I kind of disagree with because it didn't look like he was trying to get into his car. He was reaching for something in the car as the police officers with guns drawn were trying to subdue him. Now, really, are these professional athletes proud? especially the women of the WNBA, to know the guy you're standing up for here. He sexually assaulted a woman in front of her kid, stole her car, but this is the guy you want to go to bat for? I mean, or or not go to bat for, I guess, when it comes to the MLB? What are cops supposed to do in these situations? Just let people go? How does that work out? Even if you want to make the case that this guy was completely innocent and this was just a mistake that was made, well, what do you do? Because there's a lot of mistakes that go on in the world. Doctors make mistakes all the time. Do we just get rid of all doctors because of the fact that every now and then a mistake is made and somebody gets hurt? Paramedics, same way. Firefighters, we got to get rid of all of them, I guess, because that's the only way to make everybody safe is to make sure nobody is there to try to help the victims, which is what the cops were called for by the woman that this Jacob Blake had allegedly assaulted back earlier this year. But this is just another case of people making judgments without knowing the facts, without caring about the facts. Because the reality of this situation is Black Lives Matter, the group, is a Marxist organization aimed at taking down capitalism and the United States. They don't care what the reality is. If they cared about black lives, they'd be in Chicago. We've said that multiple times, and nobody can explain this one to me. All of these people in the NBA, WNBA, MLB, that are standing up for these guys that are criminals, that assault women, then where are you when it comes to the innocent black kids getting shot in Chicago? Where are you? You're not here. I don't see you here. I don't see you making statements condemning this. I don't see any of them making statements condemning the violence going on 
in the rioting or looting, but they want to stand up for Mr. Blake, who allegedly assaulted a woman in front of her kid and then stole her car. I mean, really, if you're going to pick a battle to fight, you might want to think about a different battle. And I thought, you know, the words that we say are getting people deplatformed now. They're getting them silenced now. But this guy actually commits a crime and we're going to stand up for him. And I don't I don't get it. Former NFL player Brian Urlacher, who played for the Chicago Bears, and I can tell you, I don't care about the NFL at all. I don't care about Urlacher at all. Don't really know much about him beyond that he played for the Bears, looks like for 13 seasons. He tweeted something out that immediately got him blasted. What he tweeted out was this, quote, Brett Favre played the game the day his dad died, threw four touchdowns in the first half, and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. So overall, that seems to make sense. He's making the connection between these players who are refusing to play because of what happened to this guy that sexually assaulted a woman and then stole her car. They're really worried about that. This guy he's talking about, Brett Favre, played the game on the day that his dad died. So far, that just seems completely factual. And then he continues in the tweet, NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by police. That's it. That's the tweet. It's 100% factual. There's no question about it. There is not a word in the tweet that isn't factual. But Brian Urlacher, the Bears are saying, well, we do not agree with that. And we're distancing ourselves from Mr. Urlacher. Who cares? He doesn't play for you anymore anyway. And the Bears suck. But the reality of the situation here is all you have is a guy making a statement that is 100% accurate. But how is this being? Viewed, how is this? What's the spin on this? I guess is the question. And one of his former teammates sums this up really well. Matt Forte went to Twitter to respond with, quote, The comment he posted is void of empathy, compassion, wisdom, and coherence. Now, I don't know. I think maybe he has a lot of empathy for the woman that Mr. Blake sexually assaulted because he's backing up the cops who are trying to protect her. I think he had a lot of empathy, compassion, and wisdom, and coherence in his statement, because I understood every word, and it was factual. But Forte continues, but full of pride and ignorance. I don't know, Matt Forte, where is the pride and ignorance in stating the facts? This is the world we're living in now, that just simply stating the facts of an issue, you're going to be said that you're full of pride and ignorance. Forte continues, I pray for those who have been blinded by their wealth, privilege, and earthly fame that breeds arrogance in their hearts. Where's the arrogance? Where's the privilege? I don't understand what the hell this guy is talking about. Nothing that Erlocker said was incorrect when he said NBA players boycott the playoffs because a dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by police. Nothing's wrong in that statement. I don't know how his wealth and privilege is being called out just for speaking the truth, but this is what you get now. If you speak the truth, they'll do anything they can to go after you. See Donald Trump, see Orange Man Bad, see resist, resist, resist. Forte continues with, and those who refuse to acknowledge racism and injustice, 
but instead choose to put their energy into justifying it by quickly judging the victims' lives as if they themselves are more valuable because their sins are different or weren't caught by man. But God sees all. You're right, Matt Forte. God does see all. And he knows what Mr. Blake did to the victim, sexually assaulting her in front of her child and then stealing her car. She called the police to ask for help. And he attacked the police, didn't comply, didn't go down when he was tased, had a knife, put a cop in a headlock. But, you know, he was a really good guy and we should stand up for him and we should really make all these knee jerk reactions without having the evidence at hand. Because that's what people do these days, and it seems to make so much sense. The George Floyd case isn't as cut and dry as everybody's making it out to be either. As we're getting ready to go to court with this at some point, but the evidence continues to be compiled including video and granted whatever you see in video is questionable to begin with but it looks like there was some kind of tablet in george floyd's mouth which they believe now is a tablet of fentanyl that ended up being a lethal dose the medical examiner in the case admits that george floyd had enough fentanyl in his system to kill somebody. According to a Fox News article, quote, a memorandum filed by the Hennepin County Attorney's Office on June 1st indicated that Chief Medical Examiner Dr. Andrew Baker, who listed Floyd's death as a homicide, thought the amount of fentanyl in Floyd's blood was, quote, pretty high and could be, quote, a fatal level of fentanyl under normal circumstances. Dr. Baker said that if Mr. Floyd had been found dead in his home or anywhere else, and there were no other contributing factors, he would have concluded that it was an overdose death. Now, this is some important information, I think, especially when this is combined with the fact that the autopsy done didn't show any damage to Mr. Floyd's neck, and the autopsy didn't show that it was death by strangulation. These are going to be some very important facts that are going to come out when this case goes to court. And my guess at this point is the officers are going to be found innocent. And we all know what's going to happen after that. It's going to be ugly. And this is because of the fact that people go off without the information, without the facts, and they're making judgments without knowing. The reality of the situation. We have the ME here saying, well, you know, otherwise I would the level of this drug in his system, along with the heart issues he had and health issues that Mr. Floyd had, were enough to cause death. But you know, the cops did it. I don't think this is going to turn out really well when this goes to court. But the reality is these protesters, these Black Lives Matter protesters, these Antifa people that are out there have no idea what they're doing except to cause violence, except to riot, to loot. If you think these people are activists who understand what's going on, you're nuts. They attacked Ron Paul after Trump's speech outside of the White House. And I guess maybe they're unaware of the fact that Senator Rand Paul 
is the guy that introduced the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act earlier this summer. But they're attacking him because, you know, police brutality and they're not doing enough. Well, this is the guy that introduced the Justice for Breonna Taylor Act. And they're still attacking him. Why? They don't know who Rand Paul is. They don't care who Rand Paul is. They're there to disrupt. They're there to resist. This, again, is what the Democrats have been saying since the minute Trump was elected. Resist, resist, resist. And now the playbook is violence. The playbook is to go out and riot. The playbook is to loot because, you know, that's just reparations. These stores, they have insurance. We don't care that we're burning cities down. It's all okay. But this is the problem with violent mobs. And this is the problem with the fact that the Democrats are not speaking out against the violent mobs. The mayor of Portland doesn't want help quashing the violent mobs. Nobody wants help from the federal government. No, we don't need that hateful Trump to send in people to stop the violence. What sense does that make? I mean, if somebody can explain that to me, I'd be more than happy to listen. But this is the problem with the violent mobs is that they're not rational. They don't understand the reality of the situation so much so that they'll go off and attack Rand Paul without even understanding he's on their side. He's trying to help. He's trying to be a part of the solution. I don't think anybody wants bad cops out there. But again, the reality of the situation is nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop. And I don't know what the percentages are. I mean, nobody really does. But just guessing, there's at least 90% of the cops out there that are good, that are working to protect people like the victim of Mr. Blake, that are out there putting their lives on the line for you and me. And this is the kind of crap they have to put up with. And the reality of the situation is we're being told that we have an epidemic of black people, especially black men, being targeted and killed by the police. So I was really happy to find a thread on Twitter. I mean, one of the rare interesting things I've seen on Twitter lately. And it's from a guy named Leonidas Johnson, and he has a podcast called the Informed Dissent Podcast. And I'll spell his name. Because I think you should look him up. Leonidas is L-E-O-N-Y-D-U-S Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N. And look up his Informed Dissent podcast. But he had a thread on Twitter, which was photo after photo after photo after photo of all the white people that had been killed by cops. And he capped this off. And he's a he's a black guy, believe it or not. He topped it off with saying, now some stats for 2019, 403 white suspects were killed by cops, 24 white suspects that were killed were unarmed, 250 black people were killed by cops, and 14 of them were unarmed. So again, 403 white people killed by the cops, 24 of those unarmed, 250 black people killed by the cops, 14 unarmed. So more white people than black people killed. You can make the arguments that the black population is less, but then the other side of that will make the argument that blacks commit more crime. The reality of the situation is just looking at this, which I think is a great idea. 
the way Leonidas did this is the fact that out of those suspects that were killed, how many were unarmed? It turns out that 5.6% of the blacks killed by the police were unarmed. So racist, 5.6% of unarmed blacks are killed by the cops. Well, 5.9% of unarmed whites were killed by the cops. So obviously the cops are racist and they hate the white people. So, I mean, we're, this right here proves, disproves this whole concept of systemic racism and the police are targeting the blacks. Are there problems in law enforcement? Sure. Are there better countries that are doing this better? I doubt it. If there are, let me know where. Let me know where is a safer, better country. It's certainly not Africa where slavery is still going on into the close to 10 million people. But out of the millions of arrests, Leonidas says the police rarely kill anyone of any race. But when they do, the suspect is almost always armed and or fighting and resisting. In other words, they're a threat to the cops. He continues, although rare, the odds were greater that white suspects killed by the police would be on armed he ends this whole thread off with a simple line a simple sentence which is black lives matter is based on lies and i can't find any fault in that his stats seem legit and we can all talk about the cops and that people die in their custody but as leonidas points out a vast majority of those are resisting are fighting the cops. If these were cases of somebody just being told to, you know, stop and they do, and then they get killed, well, yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. But that's not the reality of the situation here. That is not the reality of policing in the United States. This is not the reality of what's going on. But yet, we have these people in the WNBA who are standing up or walking away, I guess, to promote the treatment of a guy that sexually assaulted a woman and then went back to her house to do those who knows what. But she called, asked the cops for help. The cops came to help. And the guy winds up getting shot because he assaulted the police, resisted arrest. I don't know. That doesn't sound to me like a problem with police brutality as much as it sounds like a problem with a criminal behaving badly and what are we supposed to do again are we supposed to not prosecute anybody are we supposed to not arrest anybody if that's the way you think it should go what does that utopia look like because i don't think it's going to look any different than these cities that are burning down right now the country was based upon law and order the country is not a racist country a vast majority of the people are good and i can tell that this is all lies because of the lies being told about the president. Yamis Alcindor, I think her name is from PBS, has now changed the quote to Trump now saying there are fine people that go to Nazi rallies. I mean, this is absolutely insane. How far these people will go to lie. Nancy Pelosi now standing up saying Joe Biden shouldn't even debate Trump because That's giving him extra credence. It's like, no, Nancy, you know, Joe's brain is mush. 
and he's not going to be able to debate Trump. And I'm looking forward to the debates because they should be a whole lot of fun to watch. As far as the situation in the country, it is getting depressing to see how bad things are getting with so much of this stuff being fueled on by inaccuracies or outright lies that people are standing up for guys that maybe don't deserve it. Before you stand up for anybody, here's a simple thing you might want to do, and that is get all of the facts and avoid the knee-jerk reactions. Because if you're going to burn a city down, if you're going to destroy people's lives, if you're going to get people killed, I would say you would want to do that with an accurate assessment of the situation. You know, unless you're a communist or Marxist who really doesn't care who gets hurt as long as capitalism falls. And uh, thinking that might be what's going on here. The upcoming election is going to be very important. Let your family and friends know this is something they need to be aware of. This is something that they need to know the truth on and they need to do their own homework and look into the reality of all these situations and simply not believe the mainstream media. I do have a couple of people to thank for their support of today's show. We do work on the value for value model as made famous by Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda show, which basically works like this. We do the show, you listen, and then you decide if you've got something out of the podcast that was worth some value. If so, it's up to you to decide how much value that is and how you want to share that with us. Any type of contribution is very much appreciated. And there's different ways to do that. One of those ways is financially. And for today's show, we have two people to thank. The first is Chris Melmy coming in with 50 bucks. And that is very much appreciated with the note saying spreading the love to all my podcasters. Thank you for speaking into that mic for my dose of sanity. And uh, really, Chris, it is appreciated. And thank you for listening because it's a lot cheaper then going and getting a shrink, talking to a therapist. I talk into the mic. I'm really, it's honoring and it's a humbling situation to know people are getting something out of it. As Todd Snyder, my favorite folk singer, has said a bunch of times, I'm not doing this to change your mind. I'm just doing it to ease my own mind. And the fact that anybody gets anything out of it, it is a really cool thing. And it is much appreciated. And thank you for supporting the show, Chris. And a guy we've heard from before, Bruce City Mike comes in with a fiver saying, loved your last extended show. Here's a little something for your efforts. Yeah, we, we bloviated a little more than normal on the last show, but sometimes it just has to be done. And as I said, I do. I keep looking forward to when these shows can go back to just being a little bit more fun, telling some good stories reminiscing on some things rather than worrying about a deadly virus, deadly riots in the streets and all sorts of negative things. The time will come. I am certain that better days are ahead. But thanks again for supporting the show. It is very much appreciated. I want to thank all of you for coming along on another fun and exciting, maybe a little bit ranty episode of Random Thoughts. The next one is going to be episode 100. And I know you're all shy, but if anybody has any statements they'd like to be read or take part in the next show, you can send me an MP3. You can send me a message, whatever you want to do. 
Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. Follow me on Twitter, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L or random podcast or check out random thoughts. Get an invite for No Agenda Social and hit me up there. If you really want to show your support for the show, the best way to do that is to support the show financially to keep the lights on, the microphones humming, everything sounding good. And you can do that at randomthoughts.com. Click the donate button. Use the QR code if you like to do the Bitcoin thing or the snail mail address. If you want to buy a few stamps, as AOC suggested, and keep the post office going any which way you do it, it is all greatly appreciated. Subscribe to the show, rate it and review it wherever you can. And if you know somebody that might dig what we're doing here, tell them to check the show out. It's all greatly appreciated. And we thank everybody for giving us your time. We know there are a lot of podcasts out there. So we thank you for listening to ours. Until next time, until episode 100, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.